listening to the Astral Hour. I'm your host, Astral Meadow. Join me as we take a glimpse into the mysterious. Welcome everyone. Today I'm joined with my friend Shane Jones. He hosts four different podcasts, Inquiries of Our Reality, Bizarre Encounters, bite-sized bizarreties, and big dumb inquiries, all under the umbrella of his production company, Open Minds Media. He is also a father of two beautiful children and enjoys studying things like folklore, tarot, and all things paranormal. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Long time coming. We've been trying to do this for a while, and it's been over a year since you've been on my show. So <laughs> I know. And then both of us, you had to cancel the first time because you had an emergency. Then I had some trauma and then I was like, we are doing this. We're, you know, I'm so excited when you're like, yes, I'm free tonight. We're doing it because in my mind, it's just been on the calendar. So it's like getting moved. I'm like, I need to complete this project. It's been on my calendar for like months now. So I think the original attempt was like six months ago, if that says anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are committed to this conversation. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we've had a time to reflect on it now so um so for those who don't know you could you share just a little background on yourself and your spiritual journey well i guess the best place to start is that i'm a podcaster and i guess i could use the title of researcher now as far as what i do goes mm-hmm. um i kind of started a podcast about a year ago called inquiries of our reality that was like my first show my solo show uh mm-hmm. from there it kind of expanded into this it I had an idea of going in, but it ended up turning into its own thing. And at the end of it, I kind of just call it an open-minded talk show because I don't really know what else to call it because sometimes it's interviews, sometimes it's just bouncing theories back and forth, sometimes it's really deep conversation, but it always stays in the open-minded area. So that's, I feel like, the best place to really categorize it. But I mean, from there, um, I was doing this other show called uh, Big Dumb Inquiries for a while with uh, Kyle from the Big Dumb Podcast. Uh, he had some stuff going on with family, changing his job. So that one's kind of up in the air currently. I'm hoping that we'll get back to doing it again, but that's mm-hmm. more like a weekly. We're trying to do weekly, I guess, but like clip show where we just would bring clips in and uh, make fun of them, talk about them, um, make conspiracies about stuff, depending on what it was. And then from there, I ended up starting Bizarre Encounters, which is I was originally doing that with Ghost from My Third Eye. And then he eventually said he was working on some other stuff. He was working on another show with Ryan from Dangerous World. So we ended up leaving that show. So uh, I ended up finding two new co-hosts for that show. So now I have Orn and Jenny with me who also do some research for something they call the the framework UFO research. Um, And then (laughs) I always make my little side tangents of my shows too. So it's like the main thing that I do is inquiries of our reality is my open-minded solo uh, open-minded talk show. And then Bizarre Encounters is my cryptid alien uh, UFO paranormal show where we have some people on for interviews. We talk about encounters. Uh, we do some deep dives into some stuff. So that's just as far as like my research background goes. So kind of been all over the spectrum as far as podcasting goes. And uh, it's kind of been a journey along the way of some, like I said, some shift changes, um, some things hopefully happening for the better. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey, but <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at currently is I guess researcher and podcaster. It's probably the best, best thing to call me. <laughs> I love it. I love following your work and you just do so many things. You're always, I feel like you're energetic. You're always coming up with some really creative stuff. And um, it's cool to see someone else podcasting too. So 
I don't know. It keeps me going just to know that, you know, we, there's content to be made. There's all sorts of things that we could talk about. And um, it's just beautiful to just create these spaces for others to be able to listen. I thought starting off that I was going to run out of things to talk about. I mean, even in the past year that I've been around, I've seen a lot of podcasts come and go. And I mean, everybody talked about when I first came in that there's going to be the people that start stuff up and don't end up sticking with it. And then the people that stick around, but you and I started around the same time. So it's like you were saying, it's like motivation to see people that start around the same time that are sticking around. Cause a lot of the ones that I've seen start off around the same time as us aren't doing their shows anymore. So kind of makes us feel a little bit special. Like we're still making that push. And as far as I go, I'd like quit a lot of things in my life. So I made a promise to myself when I first started my show that it was something that I wasn't going to quit and I got too much time and effort invested into it. So as long as there's podcasts to be made and theories to be made and content to be talked about, then I'm going to be around doing my thing because I love doing it. So <laughs> well, you're we're really good at it. So I just feel like with your podcast too, I mean, there's so much to explore. Like there's so, because it is so open. You know, so it could be like spiritual topics, metaphysics, cryptids, alien. You know, it's so cool because you literally can't cover it all. Like you could probably podcast every day and still come up with fresh content. <laughs> Say when I started it off too, I had a totally a different idea of the show. And it's kind of weird how it almost like fell into the name that I created for it. Because it was just one of those eureka moments where both my shows, I was just in the shower. And for whatever reason, water always helps me think. And then it just snaps into my head. And I'm just like, that's the name. That's it. So when I first started it off, it was going to be like me and one other person, and we're going to discuss one particular topic and then leave with uh, like some kind of uh, quotes or philosophy that had to do with it. And uh, I was going to add something into it where it was like philosophy corner. And we talked about things like that. And uh, like I did the first episode and it was like called moral philosophy. And it it wasn't bad, I guess. It, you know, it's everybody's first podcast. You know, you're always going to be like, uh, it's kind of cringy, but it kind of like started off with this one idea and kind of took shape into its own thing as I got rolling. I started talking to different people and kind of started expanding into everything. And then again, I realized that the name fit more than anything. And one of the biggest things I can always tell people starting off a podcast is you're going to have an idea of what you want going in, but you need to let your show develop organically and let it become what it's going to be. Because at the end of the day, your show ends up becoming like part of you. So you're seen through it. So you may have this, this is what I'm going to do. But if you restrict yourself to that, you'll never let your show be able to grow and really become like part of you. And in turn, again, I think uh, subconsciously, I picked Ink Freeze All Reality because I questioned a lot of things in reality. And it started off with just one particular topic and it expanded into everything in reality gets questioned. So it's a pretty broad spectrum and it fits almost anything. (laughs) Yes, I love I love that we're both Aquarius risings and that's literally the whole thing with Aquarius is sort of questioning like the structure of our society, of our reality, of like our beliefs, like and just I don't know, like redefining certain things, exploring and all that. And then, you know, it puts Scorpio in our midheaven, which is like deep diving and researching. And so we both have that and it's really cool because right before I met you someone had just said that oh Aquarius Risings are great podcasters because it puts Scorpio on their midheaven and I was like okay and then I like I literally met you right after that and then looked at your chart and I was like we have the same rising like within like five degrees so it's like our life has unfolded in very similar ways and but I feel like we're really doing what we're supposed to be doing you know that this is a big part of what we're here for you know so 
I've said that a bunch of times too, that I never feel more like myself than when I'm like podcasting just because I don't know. It just, I feel comfortable where I'm like around my people where more often than not just in normal society. Like I'm just one of those people that knows I just should keep my mouth shut. Otherwise I'm going to get myself into trouble. Like not even trying to be like rude to anybody, but just again, questioning everything that just all of the current culture of everything, half the time you just want to like ask questions and people get offended by it. And it's like, I'm not asking to be rude. Like I'm just an inquisitive person. And the more questions I ask about things and the longer I do the show, the more I realize that like, I don't have any set beliefs in like anything. Like I entertain the idea of everything, but at the same time, because of that, it's like, I could never set myself in stone in any one particular thing. Like people ask me about like religions and things. And I'm just like, I don't not believe in it, but I don't, I I don't think it's solid. Like (laughs) it's a hard question. Like I I don't know anything for sure. Like literally anything. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the same way. I am. I'm fascinated by studying other religions and other types of spirituality. And I definitely blend, you know, and have some, some, some beliefs, you know, but not to where I'm like devoted to a particular path, you know, like I do yoga and I do feel like that's a spiritual thing, but I don't consider myself like a yogi, you know, like I just can't take the term as like a thing like I like studying occult stuff I don't necessarily consider myself an occultist because I just feel like that's limiting so I'm like well I I like to study a lot of things though you know not just this one thing so I don't know I definitely think you're onto something with like don't box yourself in you know I think it's one of those things too that just like humans in general we like to categorize things so you know and we like to name things so we're there could be hundred different groups of people all looking at the same thing from a hundred different perspectives. And then they're going to form an entire belief system based off of that. So, I mean, for me, at least when I started looking at more of the like macro, when it comes to anything that's like religious belief, it's like, I noticed more things that are similar than not similar. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to say like, I'm specifically this or specifically that, because I think that most religions are the same thing just different perspectives of the same thing and even when you get into like the multi-god religions too you get into there's different connections with that with the regular religions too and just like lesser beings being also still powerful god-like beings but not being like the creator being like it's it's a really hard question like i don't i don't know how to answer it because i think that all religions have an aspect of being right but then there's still also the aspect of human error to them but Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end of the day like I still believe that there's some type of like creator being. I just don't know what the specific name for it is. If it even has a name, because again, we're human. We just like name things that don't necessarily have names. Right. <laughs> a fox doesn't know it's a fox. A cat doesn't know it's a cat. And like, it's only that because we call it. And if you go to a different language, it's a totally different name. <laughs> right. Right. And it's just, I feel like it's different expressions of the, you know, of the one it's so it like, it's okay to call it whatever you want, you know? So that's why I'm like, I'm never offended when people come up to me and like talk about their their religion. I just don't necessarily want to feel like I have to convert to be someone's friend. But outside of that, I'm I'm always interested, you know, into like what they're what they're all about and things like that. And I can almost always find these links. But um, it's all about how you come at it, too. You just got to come at it, not with a like told you so kind of way. Like I can have some deep conversations with some very religious people and still use the term like uh you know, universal consciousness or like creator being, and you, you can not offend people. Cause again, you just have to find a way to like word things. Like if you're just coming at somebody like pushing your beliefs on them and not being open-minded about it. I mean, that's half the problem with like society to begin with is that 
you know, you can have somebody on that's a diehard Christian on like this kind of show, for example, and get into a deep conversation, but you wouldn't have that same opportunity in the real world because people are so held to their beliefs that a second you try to question everything, even if it's again, for the intention of learning, people instantly become offended by it where it kind of breaks that barrier on a show where you can ask the hard questions and people aren't getting instantly offended by them. Cause I know you're asking for the sake of learning and right. The only way people are ever going to get along is if you have the opportunity to ask the questions that people normally get offended by, because there's a reason why people get offended by those questions. It's because they're, again, the hard questions, but that's the things that divide the people. So if people actually have that opportunity to break down that barrier and actually have that conversation, be a lot less arguing between these like deep topics. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, a while back we had, you know, some people that come door to door and I'm not going to, not going to name them. But um, they, you know, spread their little message and I would sit and talk to them and everything. And I just sort of got used to them coming around or whatever. Um, but one day I was like, oh, uh, when you said this one thing, it reminded me of this thing Edgar Casey uh, talked about. It was like the soul journey, like the journey of the soul or something. And um, then they came back and told me that their parents said that Edgar Casey was a palm reader and then they're not allowed to go back to my house. <laughs> and I was like, oops. I guess I kind of did the thing, you know, but I was actually op totally open-minded, you know, at this point I was working at a store, so they were just coming by and like, no one was, uh, no one else was there. So I was cool with it, you know, but, um, I've been thinking about this lately, wondering if it's a matter of a lot of empaths have the opportunity to be able to see things from other people's perspective. So they have more of an opportunity to be, to be able to entertain these very deep hard topics for people to be able to comprehend as far as like viewing it from another person's viewpoint so like right. when it comes to religion it seems like more often than not the people i talk to that are more empathy um mm -hmm. are easier with making that connectional barrier because again i think it's a matter of being an empath and that you have the ability to view things from other people's viewpoints so you're able to break down your religious beliefs to actually understand somebody else's religious beliefs and perspectives on them right and like you can see like when it's coming from the heart or I could also see when they're trying to literally use it to manipulate somebody to get something. So I'm like, I can tell when someone's really like believes what they believe or if they're doing it from some like ego trip or something. But that's the hard part about being an empath, though, is when they're really talking from the heart. It's like by the end of it, it's like you took in so much of their energy that right. you're just like about you're like, I'm I'm converting right now. And then you start like coming <laughs> down from the high and then you're just like wow, damn, I got really wrapped up and sucked up in that person's emotions. Holy crap. <laughs> so funny. I always kind of kid about um, how I can't get sucked into a cult because I've, I've almost joined like all of them, but it's because I love all belief. <laughs> you know, I like to study all of them, but I'm like, I've dabbled in so many cults at this point. Like, I don't know if anybody could really convert me, but. But it's still a matter too of just like being curious of like the viewpoint though, because I think there's a lot of people that are in cults and it's not that they're in the cult. They're just curious in like the viewpoint, you know? Right. That's the thing. Like we don't have to fully like subscribe to everything or change our identity. To... Those are all these, those guys that you're watching cult movies. And as soon as the killings start happening, they're the ones that start standing back in the corner. They're like, all right, I was only here because I was curious. <laughs> right. I really like the way you guys dressed. And... <laughs> they got free Kool-Aid, man. I was just coming for that. And we didn't even get to have that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so funny. I was listening to something the other day. Um, and this guy was talking about egregores. You know much about egregores? Oh, wow. Refresh my mind. Like, I know it, but like, I'm just brain farting on it right now. So he was talking about Santa Claus and 
basically how he's cool with like his kids are cool with knowing like Santa Claus isn't real because they know it's an egregore, which is basically when enough people believe in something like it creates this like version of it, I guess, maybe in like the fourth dimension or the collective unconscious. It's almost like a tulpa, but not like a physical form of like a tulpa, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that word means. A tulpa is pretty much like so many people believe in something that they believe it into existence, which is like a lot of theories and like a lot of cryptids. But it's like physically in this reality versus like this being in the like spiritual collective and not physically here, you know? Right. Well, I was thinking, you know, with some of these people that are just, if you could literally just make up a deity right just pull you know like put a bunch of archetypes together make up a deity and if enough people believe it like it kind of becomes real in that way you know maybe not physically but i mean thanks to the internet though there's still some theoretical probabilities on it being a tulpa and being physically in this reality i mean look at a lot of the creepypasta stuff there's a lot of people that claim you know to have seen sightings of a lot of those things and have right had video evidence of a lot of them. And again, I, I'm one of those people that, again, it's like hard for me to full blow. Like, I believe in Sasquatch, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's hard for me to throw like all my theories into one place. You know, it's. Right. <laughs> right. I feel you. I was going to ask about that. Um, That's so... a hard question. If I had, if I had to have my, if somebody had like a gun to my head and they're like, is Sasquatch a real thing? I'd probably say yes. But <laughs> as much as I do, like want it to exist like there's still like doubt in my mind of course but i feel like that's that's a healthy part of like entertaining any theory because if you're full-blown like yes 100 then you're gonna look at it from only that perspective and angle too so like i have my way that i sway towards but i'm never like 100 like yes or no if that makes sense <laughs> right i get that i totally get i'm that. like 90 10 sasquatch <laughs> <laughs> i need to ask the records about sasquatch i have like the fae it was the fae so i guess that's like the fairy kingdom um as my guide the other day and i was like well i guess that means fairies are kind of real if they're in the records like sending me this message but i have See, that's part of that 10 percent though is possible fae (laughs) interactions and that they're like not actually sasquatch but things projecting themselves as sasquatch that's part of that 10 percent. so i'm in that realm too so (laughs) that is interesting i never thought about that I have heard that, like, the fairy or elemental realm, uh, they don't like when humans dabble, you know, because some people, like, do it for, like, play and, like, they're not serious and that they'll kind of mess with those people just to sort of freak them out so they'll leave them alone. But they, when I was reading about this, they said every now and then they'll, like, accept a human and, like, allow them to come a little further or explain things to them or whatever. But it's rare because they just don't like to mess with humans or something like that they just take the children and raise them up for their own all the humans on that realm are all raised from children they're not taking adults because they got enough kids over there (laughs) right (laughs) so we kind of talked about a little bit but could you define like what a cryptid is for those who've never heard of it before i guess the best way to define the word is that it's an animal that people have a belief in that it, it exists but it may not exist possibly like cryptid is kind of a vague term or when people think of it, they kind of think of like Sasquatch, the Loch Ness monster, things like that. But even just like a, like a big cat existing in an area that it's not supposed to exist in would technically be like classified as a cryptid because it's not believed by like mainstream science to exist there, but there's still people that hold a belief that it does exist there. So that's kind of, kind of where it's based on is that it's not registered or like 
acknowledge that it lives somewhere, but there's still a lot of like evidence that people believe that it does live there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Undiscovered animals, another good way of possibly classifying it. <laughs> right. Which I do, I feel like they still discover animals all the time, especially some of the sea animals and stuff. So, I mean, I definitely Even don't in Indonesia, they, they find all the cave systems that have like full ecosystems. They're always finding weird stuff in those. Right. So there's no telling like what's living down there. Journey to the center of the earth. There could be caverns everywhere with full of different life that's never touched any other life and it's fully adapted by itself or formed by itself. Like, who knows? <laughs> right. I saw someone that was really deep in a cave not too long ago and it literally had plants and stuff. Like, but there was no light source. So everyone was like, how are there plants down here, like growing in the bottom of this cave when there's no light? So I don't know. I feel like there's something going on there that. We don't fully under we don't fully understand the inner earth stuff at all. I mean, so. things adapt differently, of course, too. Like, I feel like there's a lack of something that they'll just need more of something else. So, I mean, right. at least as far as like a cave plant goes, maybe it uses less of sun energy and uses more water because assumably it's more humid down there and it sucks a lot more out of the air. Just like you know, like animals down there, where if there's no light. They never adapt to have eyes, so half those animals don't have eyes because there's never been a need for them. But because of that, they have different senses that help them get around. So, simply with plants, if they're not getting it from somewhere, they're getting it from somewhere else, so they're taking something else in. Like, even possibly, maybe there's a gas in the air that's created from, like, the rocks they're around, and maybe they take in extra something from that. Like, it's always different weird possibilities. <laughs> yeah. So, have you dabbled in, like, the hollow earth theories and stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Because, like, there's a part of me that really wants to believe in it. <laughs> like, it just sounds so cool to me. But um, obviously, there's no way to prove it. And it could just all be, like, energetic, like, project your consciousness into the center of the earth and you might see something, right? But um, what do you think? I mean, there's two sides of it. There's, like, there's the woo-woo side of it, which is the side that, of course, is the more fun side where there's possibly like a Garthia, like underworld yeah. world civilizations, like the reptilians, uh, a yeah. bunch of different weird stuff down there, possibly existing different layers. There's all the Native American lore about them coming up from different layers and different beings coming from different layers. But then on the other side of it, you know, if you don't want to believe in Hollow Earth as like that theory, even just in a simple term, you can look at it as there's guaranteed that there's caverns in the earth, there's different caves, and we always find random life in different caves there. So it may not be like this whole vast underground world with like evolved civilizations, but that doesn't get rid of the possibility of it just being different caves and caverns where there's different life that exists. So it just kind of depends on how far into the spectrum you want to exist. Like, of course, I'd rather get into the uh, beings being there um, right, than like the green children of Woolpit. You know, I don't know if you've ever dug into that story Um, coming up from, they said from the ground and having green skin in England. Uh, if you want to get into that, we could definitely get into that one too. But yeah. like, I, I like to entertain the crazy theory as far as that goes. But <laughs> no matter what, there is some form of a hollow earth, even if it's just right. caves and caverns. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I was, I just did an episode not too long ago on Barbara Hanclaw's Alchemy of Nine Dimensions. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, but she went through the dimensions and 1D was the iron core crystal center. And it's basically like the storehouse of the Akashic records um, on earth. Um, but she said that every planet has its own core and its own records. And then all those records like connect, but 
it's just so interesting to think about it as now that I'm an Akashic Record reader, you know, like I'm tuning in and like my consciousness is actually going down versus like thinking about soaring out into the cosmos. I have to be extremely rooted in order to bring that information forward. But it's like maybe hollow earth is more about like when people are connecting to that core, they're getting information and maybe they think, oh, there's beings there, right? Because where's this information coming from, right? But the I dimensions mean, are kind of everywhere too. You know, they exist in all dimensions, but it's that her theory is that that's like, like the database, like that's where it's stored for earth. I could definitely see that. I've always kind of questioned whether or not the Akashic records exist in water, just because like as people, you know, we're primarily made up of water. So when somebody passes away, that water goes somewhere and it reconnects into this consciousness. That's the water that exists on earth. So again, why people have like sparked ideas that happen in water, like just my theory on it. I almost wonder if it is attached to water somehow. And I got into another deep uh, conversation with people about it too. And uh, she was talking about how you have like your earthly memories and then you have like your important like spiritual memories and your consciousness of course like travels so your like important memories are attached to that which would be like your past lives important traumatic events that have happened through those lives Mm -hmm. and all of your random earthly knowledge that you've learned isn't important to your you know like spiritual self so it just loses that and sheds that. And that's what kind of gets thrown into the Akashic records. And then all of your memories get stored like with your consciousness as you go. But again, just, just a theory, but I like any kind of entertaining things from all angles, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, the same woman, when she said the, you know, she calls it an iron core crystal. Well, she says what it is, is, you know, the iron in our blood actually resonates with the iron and so that the it could theoretically be something about the iron within us that's actually like holding the memory and then connecting into this iron core crystal so you know i didn't learn that in like my akasha class or anything that's totally just a side thing that i've been just you know pondering but um just theorizing on that though i mean theoretically if there is like a universal consciousness that everybody likes to believe in that all consciousness is connected Maybe it's connected by planet where the planets themselves are conscious yeah. and they want to experience themselves. So they project themselves as multiple consciousnesses on their surface in order to be able to experience themselves from a different view. And then looking at it from that angle, that could even come into like the ultra, the extraterrestrials, different types of alien beings that they're a universal consciousness, but they're a different universal consciousness because maybe you resonate with, uh, your planet because you're actually the consciousness of that planet. I mean, and that's maybe why these like theoretical space traveling folk, you know, are trying to find a new home, but they never find it is because they never reconnect back to their universal consciousness because they're only the remnants left of it. That's interesting. I definitely feel like planets do have some kind of consciousness. Um, And I also think that they, store karma and so that's why when we have these transits and it's like boom and things hit you in your life well it's like they're storing the karma so as they're moving you know and all this stuff is coming out like but everyone's karma is like is in it if that makes sense but like the transits affect us slightly differently depending on what house and things like that but um i think the planets and the records are sort of storing our karma and like helping it play out for our own best interest, you know, so that we can work on the things that we 
you know, you gotta reap what you sow, I guess, in that way. But um, I do think that there's some, like, life hacks, though. Like, with the records, um, they have this forgiveness prayer. And I, and it really does, like, neutral. I swear, it neutralizes karmic bonds with people. So, like, so there's been a couple people, you know, I just didn't really love the way they treated me or or things like that and instead of just like being bitter which I wanted to be bitter but I just practiced this forgiveness and I'm telling you it's like everything about me just felt so immediately better there was no like connection to them anymore and I truly felt like they don't owe me anything like they don't have to say sorry they don't have to come back in the next lifetime you know to like pay the debt I'm like you're forgiven move the freak on <laughs> so like I've always seemed to, to notice that the people like that are they're always like there's something about them that like resonates with you and yourself. And I feel like those people are always meant to come because they're supposed to make you have some kind of realization about yourself. And once you make that realization, that's when they seem to kind of just like even if they're around, they're just not so like annoying or like attached to you is because I don't I feel like it's there's a lot more with like internal uh, struggles than people realize I feel yeah. like it's it, it's a weird thing there's just there's so many moving components to it where everybody just has these different journeys and everything's supposed to clash at certain times and it's just like this overly complicated moving machine with so many different moving components to it that like if one machine piece moves out of at, at any kind of issue that it's just going to cause like a whole backlash across everything that like mm -hmm everybody's meant to touch at certain points because they're supposed to like benefit each other in some way in order to well, like progress them as a person. Right. Right. I've definitely been thinking about people that are like the perpetrator, you know, or like the, they're starting stuff. It seems like there's a, like that's needed, you know? So it's like, is some of that before we even incarnate kind of known like, okay, you're going to be the perpetrator in this life and you're going to, shake me up until I realize something and then you're going to move on. So it's like, we're all playing these roles for different people. Uh, Cause we've all like been that perpetrator too, you know? So it's like, is this though, like all for our benefit at the end of the day, like we're just sort of testing each other and then asking each other, okay, well, if you do the work, if you grow, then this won't annoy you anymore. Cause you, it won't matter cause you've done the work. So I mean, even in the simplest terms, it could just be for the sake of entertainment of the universe because you can't have growth without struggle. You can't have good right. without evil. If it wasn't for all of that battle and all that struggle, everything would just be neutral and nothing would happen. So, I mean, even if, just if the universe theoretically is trying to experience itself, if we're all connected in some way, shape or form, you know, it's kind of like twiddling your thumbs together. Like you want something to happen. You have to have something chasing the other thing. Otherwise, nothing's ever going to happen. And nothing's going to progress. Everything's just going to sit stagnant and be unentertaining. Right. I'm, yeah, for sure. For sure. So you do a lot of like the bizarre stories and stuff. What's the most bizarre story that you've heard? Ooh, this is a hard one. Uh, <laughs> depends on which category you want to get into, I guess. Okay, um, I got those... some pretty interesting cryptid ones and I got some pretty interesting UFO ones. Okay. Oh, I'm like, both of those sound good. So can we do both? Could you talk about the cryptids and the UFOs? Well, do you want stories that I've dug into or do you want specific stories that I've talked to people about that they've experienced? Just to break it down a little bit more. <laughs> Let's do what you've dug into. That way you, you know, you know quite a bit about it. So. So as far as cryptid stuff goes, um, let's see. The most interesting thing for me, at least, that I've dug into, and I just have a lot of question. And 
I mean, there, there, there's a lot. I've, I've dug into the Michigan dog, man, just because I feel like not a lot of people do it. And me being like a Michigander, I feel like right. I just kind of want to do it just. And there's a lot of weirdness based around that. Like two of the most um, convincing things that I've seen and read and experienced about is uh, the first one was at a factory in, I believe it was Cadillac. I'd have to look at my notes again, but it was in the 1960s. And essentially there was this uh, guy who'd work in, uh, night, security for this factory so they gave him like a house on the property and uh he used to like sit on the porch every night and just like watch over like the factory property make sure everything was good and safe and uh he was seeing this thing moving off in like the shadows and he was trying to get a good image of it and his son came out and he told his son to go get his camera and he ended up snapping a picture of this thing and he described it as like a bipedal canine and he has a picture of it uh like hiding behind a pole like i recently posted on the on the instagram but just like all the weirdness around that. And he had the picture analyzed a bunch of times and there hasn't really been any like, buddy really like out in the forefront, like proving it is like false. It just brings a lot of like question to it for me at least. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that I've kind of been digging into myself and I don't hear a lot of people talk about is this uh, weird OnStar call from Troy, Michigan in 2007, where basically it's somebody that gets into a car accident because something ran across the road and they're talking to the OnStar call person and the OnStar call person, you know, is doing the normal like questioning them. And in the process of that, uh, something charges the car. You hear it hit the car. You hear some screaming and then the phone cuts out. And like, again, you don't hear a lot talking about it. The only information I could find on it is that it happened in Troy in 2006. And it was an OnStar call. And then directly after it, there was this like Halloween release that GM did as like a fake werewolf attack on star call. And there's just a lot of like weird cover up stuff with it. And when I first found it, I was having to like clip chase it where it was like, I'd find it. And then that page would get deleted. I'd find it. And then that page would get deleted. And I finally got annoyed at doing that. So I recorded it myself and I have my own audio saved on the computer of it now, but I've been chasing this call, trying to get more information on it. And it's been like a year of me digging up on it. And I haven't found any more information on it other than Troy 2006, where again, it's two sides of the coin that either one, there's no information on it. So it could be completely staged or two, there's no information on it because it's being scrubbed because it's a real call and they're trying their best efforts to hide it. Because when it comes to the dogman stuff, I can get into all my theories about that stuff, but like there's a huge component of government cover up with a lot of people that have experiences with these things or see these things. And again, it can go two sides of the spectrum where they're something that the government is using for their advantage, or it's just something that the government's trying to keep tabs on because they don't know. It's one of those things that if there's a problem, you don't, tell everybody directly you try to keep it in the quiet as much as you can until you can't handle it anymore and then once you can't handle it anymore then you kind of just oh, i don't know where it came from <laughs> right like play like you don't know anything i feel like that's kind of how they are with like the ufos right now like now they're like release the ufos we're gonna we're gonna uh accept them now you know suddenly <laughs> but, i still uh, think that was a ploy that they were yeah. Two things. Uh, I have a couple different theories on that. The main, one of the main ones is that it's a few going to be a cold war with China, where it's just this matter of back and forth, sending balloons, sending whatever, and everybody's scared of war being imminent, but nothing actually happens. Just the standstill of spies and security. Uh, option two: the U.S. was just trying to blow something up and call it a UFO, so that in the future, if weird things are flying over they can just shoot at it and shoot it down and people are just going to go, oh, it was just a spy balloon instead of actually looking at it as like extraterrestrial because I think they purposely use the term UFO for these because they want to get rid of the stamina with that term. And that's right. why they use like UAPs in different terms when they're talking about them seriously. Mm -hmm. And 
because why, why would they change the term and be talking about it constantly? And then when it comes to this in particular, they start using UFOs like right, it's trying right. to I feel like more so than anything, it's trying to pull people away. And if I had to guess, it's so that if there is weird stuff in the future, people aren't going to question it. They're just going to assume it's just, you know, so, like something from another country or somebody's like ham radio balloon. Right. Just gives them more opportunity to be able to cover it up. <laughs> right. Right. Well, as someone that loves like UFO stories and all that, when it was on the news, I was like, no. <laughs> now, if they're the ones that are releasing this, I don't believe it. I'll believe the random guy on the in the farm with the cows or whatever, but I'm not going to believe this newscaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where I'm at, too. If, it, if there's a mainstream that's putting it out, like that's been looked over by so many people that they know exactly what they're using. They do purpose. They purposefully use certain terminology for things. They'll purposely use certain words so that people will start feeling a certain way when they're talking about certain topics. Like there's so much psychology put into the news. It's ridiculous. And people just look right past it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hate it because I notice it and I'm like, Oh, why do they got to do that? Why can't there be like a neutral thing? But the only neutral information you can get, I basically think is like podcasts and stuff like that, where it's just regular people there's no incentive we're not like selling something we're not trying to manipulate you to like we're just talking you know so and that's why a lot of those people are trying to start podcasts like they have all the cnn podcasts the npr podcasts and they all fail is because nobody wants to listen to that shit they want real people having real conversations with no agenda telling their truths and you have more room for error where like you can make theories on things on a Mm -hmm. podcast and people aren't going to hold you to it like they are the mainstream news because, uh, again, they'd rather have just like that raw opinion rather than something that's been filtered to make them feel a certain way. So with the UFOs, um, what kind of stories have you heard on that? Have you Do you look up like Stephen Greer and the, the CE5 stuff? Have you heard of that? Um, I dig around. I mean, my main thing that I dig into more often than not is like folklore and cryptids and stuff. I do dig into a lot of the UFO stuff and I do have like a lot of like UFO experiencers on the show because I definitely love talking to those people. Yeah. Um, I say the biggest one when it comes to like weird topics to talk about with the UFO phenomenon is like the whole 20 and back thing. Like I've gotten to talk to two, two people who've done 20 and backs. And uh, when it comes to the UFO phenomenon, that's definitely like my biggest interest is just the whole concept of that and the connection with that being between government extraterrestrials just a deep weird rabbit hole and everybody that's experienced it they're so like like you can listen to people tell stories and tell encounters and tell whatever and you can tell sincerity in people's voices and everybody that i've talked to about 20 and backs they don't have any weirdness to the way they tell the story like they know what they're saying and they tell it definitely and that's again what brings a lot of like question to it in my mind of like when it comes to those experiences i feel like the 20 and back people are the ones that are the most like set in stone on what happened to them right so what is the 20 and back all about what is i don't think i've heard of that one so the the concept of it is pretty much that they pick you at a certain point in your life usually when it's like younger kids depending on what they're trying to use them for or sometimes they're a little bit older, but they'll take you from this point in your life. Then you'll live 20 years on this like separate timeline almost where like a lot of those people will be out doing like space missions or they'll be in contact with like different races or even some of them will be used as like government, like sex slaves and just weird stuff like that. And then after the 20 years, they'll get put back into that spot that they were in originally at that same age. And they'll have this weird thing where they'll try to 
they'll try to avoid the memories. Like more often than not, these people have to do like regression. But the reason that they realize they have to do regression is because they have all this like subconscious stuff built up. Like uh, I talked to one guy and he was saying that he was 10 years old and he was attracted to 30 year old women and he didn't understand why. And then he started realizing that there was still something like that happened in the back of his mind that made him feel this certain way and why he was like feeling adult emotions. And I got into this whole deep concept with him about how you could theoretically erase forefront memories, but you couldn't erase like subconscious memories because it's like in tuned into you and yourself that, you know, if you grow to be 30 years old and you're attracted to 30 year old women, then it's hard for you to go back to being attracted to like a nine year old because that's you're it's not physically in you anymore because it can't be erased from your subconscious because that's part of, of you like your your programming at that point now. Like it's just it's really weird and deep. Like I could go on twenty and back tangents for hours, but the one guy I talked to, he uh was a government sex slave. And then after that he got pushed on to basically being uh somebody that was almost like a mechanic for like the ships and everything on the series colony, which is he was saying was just beyond like Mars. And then the other person I talked to was ex-military. And he was saying that after his 20 back experiences, he actually like was pushed into joining the military and they were purposely putting him in like certain scenarios that if there was like a traumatic moment that happened during his 20 and back, they would get him pushed into a certain uh, like situation that would be very similar to the 20 and back so that they could almost like connect the memories where it would confuse him in his head of when he'd start having regression of the 20 and back, he would associate it with this normal military memory and it would just make it like a harder PTSD like regression. And it's just his, his, all of his experiences were all like military based. And the other guys were all, like I said, the sex slave when he was younger. And then when he got older, he was like a mechanic working on like different ships. And it was just like weird stuff that, uh, he was talking about these geysers that were happening on a different planet. Um, I don't remember the exact plan he was talking about, but it was when he was brought to drop his book and NASA was talking about him and saying that they didn't know what was creating him. And he was saying, no, those are those are sodium. He's like, I, we, we flow past them. That was one of the things that they would let us do for entertainment was see these geysers go off. And he's like, it's sodium. And he said his publisher was like, you know, if you're wrong about this, you know, it throws your whole story out the window. And he's like, I'm not wrong. Like, I saw this. It's sodium. And then he said two weeks after that, NASA released that it was sodium. And he was like, you going to believe me now? <laughs> All right. Wow. That brought up for me this story i heard on coast to coast a long time ago that i've never been able to forget because it was like whoa um it was called project pegasus have you ever heard of that yes (laughs) where they're like send these kids back in time and like they're like changing like little details and that's like part of why like the mandela effect and stuff occurs and um, see i was thinking even just like a off of a lot of stuff that they tried to do I almost wonder if timelines, I was talking to somebody else about this. His name is Brian. Um, shout out to Brian. Uh, he was talking about how when a timeline has been altered so many times, how it's almost like if you break a piece of glass and try to put it back together with glue, there's always still going to be the cracks in it. And those cracks are what start creating these weird ripples and start to have different realities start to converge into the one reality. It's because it was never put back in the same structure again. And then my theory on it is just that once you start messing with reality and time, that those different uh, timelines might start to converge at certain points. And that's where we have all this like weird back and forth. Or once you open up a doorway into another reality, then you have this 
supposed possible constant interchange of people between those two realities once the void's been opened and people can be walking through a time slip back and forth between two realities, but they're directly next to each other and so similar besides these little subtle differences that you could be time slipping back and forth between them constantly and not even realize which one you're in until you start asking people about like, oh, what's the line from this movie? What's this from this? What's this from this? And then just another weird one to throw in there, and I'm not going to say it's going to go for every single one, but I still think that there's a good portion of Mandela effects that are testing to see how much information you can change on the internet and people are just going to believe it off of a Google search because it could just be a forefront for possibly in a couple generations being able to change historical events. And all you have to do is change it on the internet. And then everybody refers to the internet instead of books nowadays. And you could essentially change history just off of rewriting some shit on the internet, but you got to start somewhere. You got to be subtle with it and then start building up. (laughs) You got to test it. (laughs) I never even thought about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The project Pegasus was like government too i think that's what it kind of triggered it which it was like the guy that did this particular interview was one of the kids that did it and his dad was one of the scientists and his particular theme was to multiple times they sent him back to the day that abraham lincoln was assassinated and he would go and it would like slightly change each time and he would come back and tell them you know the things that had changed so it was like something about them. Send- so it, it's interesting with that 20 thing that you're saying too, because it's like children, but there was something about like adults, like their consciousness is already so like, you know, set like that. They, like they couldn't go back, but these kids that didn't even know like who Abraham Lincoln was, you know, like they're sending them and it's like, they're not projecting anything onto it. They're just like observing what they see and then they're coming back. But yeah, they're not like know. fully manifested in this reality. Kids are kind of like walking in between two until they get planted in this reality from society telling them like, this is how to feel. This is how it is. Don't do this. Don't do that. Right. Then you get rooted. Exactly. So it's so it's so interesting that both of those involve like children and like having that like innocence. And um, I don't know. That's so interesting. I've just never been able to forget that. And I think that might have been when I first started thinking of like timelines and like how this one thing could be different somewhere else, you know? And every now and then, this probably sounds really far out, I'll feel like there's a version of me that died. Like, I'll literally be like, and I'll be like, oh my God. But I don't know. It's like on some level, on some other plane, I think I might have just died, you know? <laughs> I can't explain why I feel that way, but... um, I always wonder that when you get those moments of like, you're about to do something and then you see like an image of yourself dying before you do right. it. And then you're just like, all right, I'm going to do this instead. And you never see like a car accident or anything happen, but you just like envision it in your head. And it almost makes you wonder if like in a different reality, like that theoretically happened. Right. I, I think that way. I don't know. I'm, pro- I'm probably like too open-minded when it comes to timelines, but um, I think there's something to that, you know? I mean, for me, for timelines, at least how I rationalize it in my head, I don't think you can change the past. Cause I feel like, it's the past, so it's already happened. Even if you go back in the future, like even if you go back to the 1800s, like 30 years from now, like it's already happened back in the 1800s. So where we are currently in this time, it's already happened. It doesn't matter if that person hasn't gone back yet. I think everything's, you can't change stuff that's happened in the past because you going back and changing stuff in the past is part of the past happening. But when you start getting into this concept of like timelines and trying to hop timelines, then I think that that's where you start getting this like weird converging where you have like the Mandela effect and stuff. And it's not that the Mandela effect is happening because people are changing things in the past. 
it's because they're converging timelines and trying to hop timelines. And it's, yeah, it's not because everything that's happened in the past has already happened. Like, I don't think that whole like grandfather thing happens where if you go back in time and you step on a bug, it's going to drastically change history. Cause I think that you stepping on that bug already happened in the timeline that you're in. And that's why you're right. in that timeline already. Right. Like, so even when you think of like simultaneous time, which is something I've been trying to ponder on for you, it's still in the past, even if it is all happening at the same time, but on your particular timeline, it is the past, even though it might be their future. So, mm-hmm. Have you heard of simultaneous time? Like Dolores Cannon talks about it a little bit. Um, I mean, I get into some weird like time theories and stuff. I mean, if you want to refresh my mind on that one in particular, uh, but when it comes to like simultaneous time, like, I don't know, time's a weird concept. It's just kind of made up by people to begin with. And right. I mean, everything could all be happening all at one place mm-hmm. at one time. And it's just a matter of like your perspective of right. where you yeah. are. Right, where you're perceiving it from. Yeah. So I've so gotten into this whole idea about theoretical time travel through like light spectrum and frequency because you hear about like in biblical times they didn't talk about blues. So I would like question if there's like a color spectrum for each period of time as we perceive it. Like maybe there's a color that a different generation talks about that we don't perceive in our time because we're in that color. And when it's almost like a smell, when you're constantly sitting in a smell, you stop smelling it. Same with that light spectrum. And then when it comes to like matching up your frequency, that's how you'd be able to like hear that time spectrum. So it's a matter of like visually lining up and then like verbally lining up or auditorially lining up, however you want to word that. Um, Because then that would explain why people will hear like weird voices and like ghostly weird things. It may not be that it's a ghost around you or anything like that. You might be hearing something that happened at a different point in time because maybe for some weird reason, like that frequency lined up because you were just in the right place at the right time. Right. And had the right thought that aligned with that particular frequency. But yeah, Dolores Cannon with simultaneous time. So I learned this. she wrote a book not on Nostradamus, but with Nostradamus. And supposedly, supposedly he was still in France at the time that she was like channel she wasn't channeling it so she would put people in hypnosis and then they would talk right and she discovered that like people that didn't know who Nostradamus was people that had never been hypnotized or anything right and it didn't have to be the same person so like four different people when she was regressing them at the end of their regression they would talk to Dolores directly and be like you know, I am Nostradamus. I, you know, I'm ready to write this book with you or whatever. But it was coming through different people at the end of different readings. And uh, he specifically said, you know, I'm here right now. You know, like I'm alive. It's this time period. We're still here. And then he was pulling this information through. It was just, I mean, I'm not saying that's 100% true or anything, but like when I heard that, like something lit up in me. You know, because I've done a lot of past life regressions and things like that. And like when I'm there, like it's so real. Like I'm not saying like I'm physically there, but it's I'm so aware that I can like read pamphlets that's laying on a desk. I can open a drawer and look inside. Um, Talking to people is a little fuzzy. Okay, like so interacting with other people like I can, but it's a little fuzzy. But as far as like observing things like it feels real, you know, but um. 
I'm always wondering, I'm like, is it real? Because like, it's actually there. And then I'm like projecting, you know, like my astral body there, um, not my physical body, but how can I go there if it's not real? You know? So I feel like it's some, in some way it's like stored. Like, so even if it doesn't exist, it's like stored in the collective unconscious maybe. And like, so I'm able to like find a loophole and to, to go there. But um, I don't know. It's really, it's really cool, but I'm still dabbling on that theory. <laughs> that almost makes you wonder though, that if there is like a universal consciousness and it is just trying to experience itself, if it can just like change the base of knowledge, whenever it wants to, so that it can like, make things more interesting or like change it up and then that's where that kind of comes from is that uh you know they they can change things that have happened in the past as far as like memories go for stuff that's happening now so it's like maybe nostradamus or whatever all these people never like physically existed but it put this memory of this person into everybody's thoughts and universal consciousness. So that person exists through everybody, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily ever like physically existed because we have no way of like going back and tangibly touching that person and saying like they're physically were here at any point. Right. Right. Cause I was talking about scrubbing the internet. If there's like a universal consciousness, I mean, we're all connected to it. It could change a memory and it would instantly change in everybody's head. Nobody would know none of the difference. I mean, it could even change memories between people too. Cause it's like, I feel like you'll just hear like certain things where two people will have like a story and they'll have like fine tuned details of that story. And then there'll be a third friend that was involved in the story. And the third friend will be like, that never happened. But the other two friends were so like in tune with the details that it just causes this weird confusion. Maybe it was just like a glitch in the system that the universal consciousness updated the memory for these two, but forgot to do it for that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe I, I was talking to my therapist actually the other day about gaslighting and I was like, do these people really believe that these things did not happen? You know, like that I was there, I saw it myself. I'm trying to say, you know, this was the thing and they're trying to say that that didn't happen. And she actually does think that there are certain things that can occur to where they like completely have blocked it out and they honestly do not believe that it happened. And I'm like, well, how, how is that? How can you just how can you say that this thing that definitely happened didn't but you know if they don't believe it you know like you just have to trust that you know you were there you saw it and you just you know you don't need them to validate it but it just feels weird like that there could potentially be people out there that don't remember like important things that they've done you know well, like one of the craziest ones that i've ever heard is the people that full well believe that the holocaust never happened like right. what <laughs> right that's like man in the high castle you know where it's like all these different like this is what reality would look like if the nazis won or if they didn't and then there's all these timelines have you seen man in the high castle uh, i don't think i have you would probably love it it's one of my favorite shows just because it helps stretch my mind to like what would that look like you know and um and the acting's incredible too but yeah, the whole concept of the show is like that the Nazis won the war and this is what it looks like. But then they discover these films in the in the show and the films are actually showing like America winning the war. And these people are like, well, how could this happen? You know, like, but like it, it instills this hope that like there's this other reality in that like there's this place where like the Nazis didn't take over. And then at some point there's actually people that have traveled between the timelines, you know, that have come back and like actually existed in that world. Or there's one character that can 
astral project into the other world. But um, it is so cool as far as just like seeing how that would look, you know, in a in a like a show format. So, I mean, you put that into the consciousness, too, and it almost makes you wonder. It's like it's always good to question everything and look at things from an open minded perspective. But to a certain extent, it's like they don't want that. So, of course, they're going to put ploys out. They're just going to make things sound absolutely fucking crazy. So it's like there's a lot of history that's clearly been covered up. There's a lot of weird history that doesn't make sense. So what's the best way to make it so that that whole idea gets looked at like it's absolutely crazy? You throw in other concepts that are just ridiculous, like Holocaust not denying, or right. even just like, I don't want to state any of like my side opinion on it, but like the whole like uh, um, tar- Tartaria idea that like, you know, an entire civilization could be covered up. Like maybe people were onto something and that's why they started throwing all these other things out. Or maybe Agartha, or not Agartha, but uh, Tartaria was the ploy that they threw out because they were covering up things like stuff that was happening in Egypt and different shit like that. And I mean, even getting into the flat earth thing, like I have different viewpoints and theories on that, but that could have been an intentional ploy to just start infighting between people arguing whether or not the earth is a globe or flat instead of actually arguing about the fact that NASA has been lying to us. Or, again, just to throw in another weird theory that I like to throw at people and they ask me if I'm a flat earther or a globe earther, I always say if we live in an organic simulation of some sort, the map could have been updated where back in biblical times it was a flat map because that was all that was needed. It was just the basic original map. But as things have expanded, they've upgraded the map and now we have a globe. So maybe everybody is right if we're in an organic simulation. I'll just hit them out of left field with it. (laughs) Well, this is interesting you brought that up because I actually asked the Kashuk Records not too long ago about... What is going on with everyone, you know, perceiving the earth a certain way? But, you know, they were saying like with the flat earth that it's when you're looking at it from a two dimensional lens, that it's that person's perspective that's actually projecting flat. And so for them, if that's true for them, then it is true for them. And same with the spherical, like if you're projecting spherical, like and you really believe that, then that, then it's true for you. But it was basically saying that you see it based on like who you are right so if your consciousness is more three-dimensional you're going to see it spherical but you know some people can see it like a spiralic and then some people see it like sort of like a like a tetrahedron you know so different like intuitives like actually see it like energetically a certain way so if you were looking at earth from like the fifth dimension it might not look like a sphere you know it might look like something totally different so it's actually wherever your consciousness is, is like, you'll perceive like the shape differently. So I thought I was like, that's a very interesting way to explain that where it's sort of like, there's no wrong answer, but it's like, they want us to sit here and argue about it. I think, you know, it's like, there's something about it. Like, cause I've seen, it's like hostile, like be people argue, like it's flat, it's spherical, it's flat. And like, like they, they're so upset about, you know, their theory being wrong or whatever, but I just feel like, you know, we talk about it, but we don't ha- like it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. But what you said that there have been lies, you know, in NASA. So that's the thing is like, I do think that there's other things that they have lied about or like covered up or whatever. And so people just don't trust them anymore. So throwing out whatever theory you want, you know, someone's going to like cling to that because there's just like distrust in general. So they're like, well, they probably lied about this, too, you know. I said nobody's looking at NASA because they're too busy arguing with each other about the shape of the Earth. I don't know, just the whole like flat Earth. I, I like the way you explained it because then it almost kind of goes into like an interdimensional concept too. That it's just a matter of 
perspective and where you are like existing in the universe that i mean it could be it's directly linked to consciousness or maybe people are perceiving the world in different forms and you it's a lot deeper than you even realize where maybe the only form that we're noticing is that it's like a flat earth versus globe earth. But if we actually start con like putting more details together, maybe we realize that they actually do perceive the world totally differently. And I mean, expanding up from there, um, I'm kind of curious, like what the perspective of the world is like going up. Like maybe those are the people that are like mediums and they're like starting to see stuff and maybe they're not even fully into the next dimensional idea or perspective of what the earth or reality is to begin with. And I mean, even expanding on that too, they say we only see 7% of the light spectrum. I mean, right. it could be an expansion of that too, where it's almost like uh, having multiple lights behind something. And if you only are able to see one light, you're only looking at it from one perspective. But as you illuminate it with more lights, you have more of an idea of what the shape is of it because there's more components coming into it. <laughs> right. Right. I think there's definitely something to that. And just thinking of it that way, I feel like it brings peace, though, between everybody, because it's like, well, you know, I'll meet you. I'll meet you where you're at. Just hit him with Hollow Earth. Say you're a Hollow Earther, because then it, it could work for both. <laughs> I know. I actually love throwing in Hollow Earth when someone really wants me to convert to Flat Earth. But I just let people talk. You know, I'm like, I'm interested, you know, in the concepts and stuff. So um, I'll entertain the like theories all day. I love it. But <laughs> It's just when they're, like, mean about it. Like, I was listening to one podcast, and the dude was like, spherical earth people are idiots, you know? And you're just like, okay, okay, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to do that, you know? But, you know, I guess they just really want to, like, they want it to be real for everybody, right? Which is, it's fine if that's their desire. I mean, looking at it from a weird perspective, too, you know, everybody looks at it like we have our con construct of what the solar system looks like. But again, it's just a matter of like one point perspective where, you know, we don't think we're the center of anything, but even theoretically, we could be the absolute center of everything. But the matter is that, you know, we're in the moving car and we're watching the world move around us and we think we're moving with it. But realistically, like we could be the standing point and the world's moving around us or not the world, but the universe is moving around us. Um, I don't know, just a weird perspective of looking at it like and if that's true, you know, maybe we are the center of everything. And then that kind of goes back into that whole idea of. Or uh, organic simulation where both theories could possibly be true because if I had to guess the construct of the universe, I would assume that it's some type of created thing by, I don't want to say necessarily a higher power, but something that was more intelligent than us before it because we're kind of moving into that extent where we're creating virtual reality and what happens one day when you know we want to play video games, we want to be so realistic that the characters inside the video games, uh, we start programming them to just do whatever they want. And then all of a sudden they start becoming conscious. Then we've essentially created a universe inside of our universe. And right. again, that kind of expands back to the idea that, you know, the map was originally this. And as the map expanded, everything started becoming more. And even with the planets, maybe the reason we can't get a good visual on most planets is because they haven't been fully rendered until you are actually there, like in a video game. <laughs> right. You're just looking at it from like across the map where you're seeing the basic outlines and shapes, but it doesn't actually fully render until you're there. <laughs> And then that, again, could explain all the weird phenomenon that happens with ghosts, Sasquatch, uh, the Fae, anything, is right. that we're all the characters that are inside the game and whatever's outside of it is that's all their playable characters. That's when they want to come in and play the game. That's what they play as. And the rest of the time, we're just all the GTA characters walking around the city. <laughs> right. Like just not paying no attention until we see, you know, some weird thing in the sky or or some figure that we can't describe. Yeah. 
I, I think with cryptids, so the same book that talked about the records being the Crystal Core Center or whatever, um, it talks about the fourth dimension and it talks about like that's where like a lot of the the beings, the imaginary beings, um, the ghosts and things like that exist. And so we're multidimensional beings. So we're actually in and out of these, dim- in the, according to this book. We're in and out of these dimensional dimensions all the time. So if your consciousness just happens to slip in fourth dimension, you know, if you're dissociating or something like that, you're in the fourth dimension. So if you're in that headspace and, uh, you know, Sasquatch walks by, you might see it because your your consciousness is more in the fourth dimension when you dissociate um, or when you're dreaming and things like that. That's more of the fourth dimension. So I feel like it's like they're slipping through. In, you know, and we're perceiving them because our dimensions are stacked and we're really not that separate. Like 4D is very close to 3D. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they're kind of like they're actually in their dimension, but we are somehow accidentally slipping into that dimension, too. And so we're seeing them. And then we come back to 3D and we're like, OK, what happened? It's gone now. You know, I, I, I've never seen anything like that, but I feel like it's I feel like they are kind of interdimensional, you know. I have a lot of ideas that I entertain as far as Sasquatch goes, but one thing that I do bring up often is people always talking about time slip stories and them walking through time slips. Mm-hmm. I mean, this I always question if that's possible for other things that exist in other places. Mm-hmm. And if those time slips never corrected themselves, then a breeding population starts here where, again, maybe Sasquatch could be something that's always been here, something physical. Right. That's one idea that I definitely like to entertain. That's where like my logical mind goes. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the woo-woo mind goes... I definitely think that there could be an interdimensional component to them, but I don't know if they're necessarily intentionally interdimensional. Like I said, like the same kind of concept as like people walking through time slips. Right, right. I don't know if they're doing it, you know, as much as it might be us, us seeing that, you know what I mean? I don't know if they're always. Because like, why would you want to come into a reality where everybody like looks at you like a monster? Like it doesn't make any sense why you do it intentionally, you know? Right, right. I can see that for sure. Especially if you're an intelligent enough being to possess the capability to be able to interdimensionally walk. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, So I've been having a lot of people reach out about wanting to start a podcast and stuff. Um, Do you have any like encouraging words of wisdom for people that are right at the edge of feeling confident enough to hit the go button on podcasting. Best advice is don't get caught up on hearing your own voice. Just kind of look past it and you'll get more comfortable as you go through. And kind of like I was saying in the beginning of the show, like go in with kind of like an idea of what you want to do, but let your show take shape into where it's going to go. Cause if you hold it into that box, then it's never going to become what it's potentially capable of. And anybody to ask that's been doing a podcast for a while they usually talk about how like the podcast becomes you and that kind of converges like both ways that like you become a podcaster, but at the same time your podcast becomes you. And if you don't give it the opportunity to really like characterize and become you, then it's never really going to grow where it needs to grow. And it's never going to be that organic podcast that you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, don't cop in expecting to get thousands of listeners right off the bat. Like, do it because it's something that you want to do. Don't go into it with the intentions of becoming, like, a famous person or, like, a personality or being, like, a famous show. Like, do it for the right reasons, and then it'll grow as it needs to grow. And don't, like, 
be constantly checking numbers, comparing yourself to other people, like let you do your thing, let yourself grow, find some people that you're comfortable asking questions to. And more often than not, if there's anybody that's in the podcast universe, like they're going to help, they're going to be willing to help you out. Um, you know, there might be some bad eggs along the way, but you know, look past them because there's bad eggs in every group, of course. But, uh, yeah, just start your show with pure intentions. Do it for you. Don't do it with the intention of being something huge. Um, and just inner work, make friends, make community. Like that's at the end of the day, kind of like what it's all about. And, uh, don't get too caught up on again, like your voice. Cause I feel like that's a really hard thing for people, especially when they're first starting is they hate the way their voice sounds recorded. But as you start going, like you'll get more comfortable, you'll hear it as you go through your episodes. Like you just have to bite, bite the bullet and get past it and get into your comfort spot because your first probably 10, 15 episodes are going to be awkward, but it's expected. So get past that awkward point, kind of like, you know, growing your hair long. You got to get past the awkward phase to get into the fun phase. So just keep gunning at it, keep doing it um, and get out of your comfort zone because that's honestly part of it, I feel. (laughs) Right. That's where the courage kind of comes in is like, okay, I don't know. I don't really know where this is going to go. I don't know all the answers, but like I have that desire and I know I'm supposed to pursue this, you know, so one of those things that you'll make it work as things come that there's always going to be problems there's always going to be things that pop up that's never a reason to quit it's more of a reason to figure out how to get past that and then if it pops up again in the future then you know how to deal with it because i see a lot of people that'll start a podcast and they'll fall into some kind of like weird tech issue or something will happen and they'll be like fuck it and they'll just throw the whole thing out it's like you have to have that push to get past that because it's guaranteed gonna happen it's a matter of wanting again to have that passion to do it that you're going to see it as an obstacle rather than like a, a blocking wall or like an end, end final wall. <laughs> right. Yeah. I definitely think the tech, like probably like 80% of the time is why people don't do it. It's because they're scared of buying the wrong thing and it not being what they need or, you know, that it's going to mess up on them or whatever. But you just have to, you know, Google or reach out and ask people like, okay, what did you get? You know, what works for you? And Luckily, my husband's great with tech, so I got really, really lucky because he, like, I'll write the edits and he cuts them for me, and, like, he created uh, my intro and, like, made sure the music um, was, like, free domain or whatever, so I wouldn't get flagged for that. There was all these things that I wouldn't have considered that he he thought about, and it really helped, but um, I've been trying to help some people here and there too, but uh, it really is just allow yourself to make some mistakes too. Like if you if you buy the wrong thing, send it back, right? Buy another thing. Like, don't be willing, don't be scared to ask. That's half of being like a podcaster. Is that like, right. don't be scared to ask somebody to come on your show because the worst thing they can say is no. That's a huge thing I hear at the begin with people when they first start is they're scared to ask people to come on the show. Mm-hmm. Again, worst they can say is no. Don't be afraid to ask people things. And that same goes for advice. Like if you don't know how to do something, there will be somebody out there that'll help you. And again, it's a matter of half of being a podcaster is not being scared to ask questions. So don't be scared to ask other podcasters for advice because more often than not, you know, there's somebody that'll help you out or at least know something about it. (laughs) Right. Send you like a picture of their setup or whatever. Yeah. I I still get nervous, you know, like I have a couple of people I'm like right on the edge of asking. (laughs) Like, I just don't know. I just don't know if they'll come on, but they're definitely like, no one's going to be a jerk about it or anything. You know, they might just be like, I don't do podcasts. 
<laughs> or like the worst that I've gotten is just people that'll say like, oh, like I'm busy with like I've never gotten a rude response from anybody. Like anybody that is a serious guest that you're trying to have on your show, if they're like a researcher, author, writer, whatever, like they want to remain professional and seem professional. So they're not going to come at you with like a fuck you, you're a little show or something like that. Like they're going to if they say no, they're going to let you down easy. You know, nobody's ever rudely said no about coming on the show. They always, it's, you know, it's, oh, I have this work that's coming up. There's this, there's that. Like, there's stuff that's definitely excuses, but nobody's going to hit you with a hard, like, no. Like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> right, right. And I'm to the point where I haven't really reached out much. You know, it's just like people ask me and, and I love being at that point because I don't have to hit that wall of like, what if they say no? But there is a point where, you know, people will find you too. And then, so it's like half the work is done because the community is like kind of sustainable. It's like self-sustaining. So it's like, oh, well, people want to go on the show because then they can share their wisdom or advertise their thing or whatever. So it's kind of cool for me that it's gotten to that point where I'm like, I don't have to stress about like, oh, I need another guest like, like tomorrow, you know, I really, I really like my podcast for the fact that I interview people that aren't, you know, sometimes never on podcasts might never be on another podcast, right? They just have the wisdom, they have the story, and they come on like, they're not necessarily trying to get famous, or they're not already like some big name, you know, so like some of these really big podcasts, you know, they're interviewing these huge names, but these people get interviewed all the time, you know, so their stories documented. But I try to like get people on that have never, you know, told their story or that have something to say, but like they don't have the platform or, you know, or they're like older and don't know the tech or whatever. But it's really cool because I'm able to document these stories that might never get documented, you know, so these people might pass on, but this episode will still exist. So that's kind of where I like to go sometimes too. I like to have a lot of like first time authors or like, you know, fresh authors on. I like having a lot of like researchers, of course, like wide spectrum, like bigger researchers, but a lot of smaller researchers too. Um, but even just like the way I kind of conduct my show is that I might purposely listen to like two or three interviews that somebody that I'm going to have on spent on. But the reason I do that is so that I can bring them into a different realm because I'll hear this person do the same interview three times so when I have on my show, I leave it open as like the open-minded conversation, like I said, because if I start asking them questions about themselves and they seem to get really excited about something, then I'll go down that avenue. And then by the end, I try to make it a fun interview for the guests instead of them having to repeat the same stuff. Like uh, Giants of Ancient America I had on my show recently, and he's always talking about, again, Giants of Ancient America. And we are talking before the show about how he also likes doing a lot of uh, like Sasquatch research. So as soon as we got onto the show, you know, we of course talked about giants and then we got into a Sasquatch research and then we started connecting dots between his Sasquatch research and his giant research. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's fun just to give people the opportunity that everybody has this idea of like what this person's coming on the show to talk about. And what I try to do purposely with my show is even if it's somebody that's been on a bunch of other shows, like I want to do a totally different interview than anybody else has done with that person. And I try to find what the person gets the most excited about to talk about. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not their main thing they talk about, if it's something that they get really passionate about, like I take that opportunity to dig right into that and give them like their platform to do it. Because even like a guest, you know, if you bring on somebody that's known for talking about this, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to think that you're expecting them to talk about that. So when you give right. them that doorway to go into something else, like it just, 
you never know what you might get into. Like that's some of the best part about podcasting is trying to get people into different methods of thinking than they normally are. And that's kind of, I guess what my show in a way has kind of become off of that is trying to, again, not do the same as everybody else. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I love your podcast. And when I was on it, it really was a flow. Like I didn't know what you were going to ask and it just, it was just the conversation that built on itself and it just happened organically. And, um, it sounds stressful coming in, but once people get rolling, they realize that it's pretty, uh, I, 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 it really, it works for me at least. It's, I feel like it's a good way of doing it because it sounds stressful going in, but then once you get rolling, you realize that it's probably the most easygoing way to interview somebody is to make them feel like they're not getting interrogated. Like you're contributing to the conversation too, and actually just sitting down with them, you know? Right. Right. And I feel like it always ends up sounding better than you would even think, you know, like you go back and listen and you're like, wow, this really, this was cool. Like, I'm so happy that came up, you know, I wouldn't have, I wasn't planning that, but I'm so glad, you know, it's like, I love funny. having researchers on cause I love expanding theories. And when I have researchers on and afterwards, they tell me like, wow, you just gave me some new things to think about. Like yeah. that's, that's like my high points for my show is I love when like, I can have a guest leave the show and they felt like they also learned something. I connected more dots for them. Like I almost feel like that's sometimes like my purpose as far as like podcasting goes is that rather than just being the typical interview guy, I try to be the one that like connects dots or like connects people to people's theories that I'll talk to somebody about this and I'll talk to somebody about this and I'll be like, Hey, your theories are kind of alike and I'll start throwing things back and forth or I'll just let my mind wander into it. And it turns into again, like expanding on theories rather than just, somebody restating their theory constantly i love that i'm pretty sure you're aries son too like me but that's a, like a cardinal fire so it's like initiating that that excitement and that passion for others so like they're leaving all fired up too but like that's your energy that's because that's your son that's what you're kind of projecting out so i could definitely see like as a podcaster when someone gets off they're like okay now i want to go do more research because this guy just brought up like things i hadn't considered yet but that's so beautiful like in like an airy sun kind of thing so that's what i was saying earlier too about like i almost feel like i'm more me on my podcast than i am like anywhere else is because it's like typically i'm the one that takes in everybody's energy and stuff so i try to like keep to myself because of that but when i do my show it's like my one time that my like aries fire starts burning and i like really like become myself if that makes sense instead of being like dampened by everybody around me like I I start like pushing on other people which I typically don't do (laughs) but in a positive way not like in a assertive way you know right in a way that's like necessary to keep the conversation going I love it too I I definitely bring in the passion and fire (laughs) yes I get I feel like when I'm like I'm having a conversation with just like these I don't want to say normal people but the people that aren't thinking outside the box like I feel like I have to put myself in the box and it's frustrating. Like I leave those conversations feeling frustrated. But I now that I have the podcast, I find that I'm better at those kind of conversations because I have an outlet for like my niche interests. So then I'm like, yeah, we can just talk about the weather. That's fine. I, I already, I already uh, did my deep dive yesterday, you know. <laughs> See, like I have a back and forth with that where it's like somebody coming on the show, everybody has a story to tell. So it's like somebody will come on and they'll be very deep into theories. And that's like more my realm of like what I get into. And then I'll have somebody else that comes on the show and, you know, they've had just like some kind of like Sasquatch encounter, for example, you know, like they may not be thinking as universally deep about like the construct of the universe and everything like that, but they definitely still have like a story to tell. 
So it's just like a matter too of just knowing like getting better with like how to interact with people where it's like if I know somebody has a story to tell or like I have no problem at all sitting down, having the conversation, like keeping it entertaining, kind of keeping it in however the person's realm of like thought is. Mm -hmm. But just because of like stuff like that, where I'm used to people having like a story to tell or something important to talk about, I guess, is as far as like I deem is like important. Mm-hmm. It like makes it harder for me to go into the real world and be like, so about the weather today. Cause it's like, <laughs> even if I'm talking on the most basic about somebody that it like experienced like Sasquatch in the woods, like mm-hmm. it's so hard to just be in that realm of thinking all the time and then do this like shallow small talk. Like it's really hard for me. Like I avoid it at all costs because like I don't interact with a lot of people like at my work and just like the world around me just because mm-hmm. like it's hard sometimes just knowing like hearing the conversations people have on like regular basis like i can kind of gear who i like can get into a deep conversation with but if i constantly walk past somebody and they're always talking about like again like the weather today or like my outfit or like all of this like shallow stuff it's just hard for me to like sit there and have a conversation with them because they're asking me about like oh what's your favorite clothing brand what's your favorite this while i'm thinking about like just whatever deep method of thought that i'm in at that particular time you know it's just like hard to interact because it's like i don't want to say they don't have anything important to say but it's just like there's when you're used to always having like constant deep ideas and conversation it's just really hard to just have conversation that there's nothing that your brains really sees a reason to like store and maintain you know (laughs) right like you leave and you're like okay so it's like okay you're it's it's nice to have that connection with another human and all that but then you're like I didn't grow or learn and I, I don't know it's hard for me too I I just don't do well in normal society like anywhere I've worked I've never fit in don't really make any friends like within the spiritual community and like metaphysics and stuff like I fit in great you know but like any other time I just feel like I'm totally invisible like there's certain people and I'll start talking about astrology and they'll literally like their body just turns the other way the conversation's dead and so but they can talk about like their whole you know their dog's like growth on his skin or what like they can talk about whatever they want but if I like bring up sun signs or something they're just like um I'm ignoring you now so I'm like ah yeah I'll go to work and I'm the quietest guy like I wear headphones all day I purposely will have them in even if they're not playing because it's just like I don't like getting any conversation with people but then I get on my show and I never shut up or I go to like a cryptid convention and it's like, I'm a social butterfly, but you put me in a party anywhere else and I'm going to sit in the corner by myself on my phone, but you throw me into like a cryptid convention. I'm walking around yeah. talking to everybody, like shaking hands and everything. And like, yeah. it's all about being with like your tribe, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, awesome. So um, what's the best way for our audience to follow you and check out your podcast? So... I do a spectrum of things, like I was mentioning. Like my main solo show is Inquiries of Our Reality. Uh, my Bizarre Encounters deep dive show is Bizarre Encounters with my two co-hosts. Um, I'm in the process of making this Patreon exclusive show called Inquiries Thoughts and Theories, which is going to be like a spinoff of my show, uh, my solo show, um, where it's just going to be kind of like me getting deep into my different thoughts and theories on things. And then on the other side, Bizarre Encounters, we do Bite Size Bizarreties, which is like our like mini show we do where if there's stuff that isn't a full episode worth, it's like a half hour or so. We just put them into like bite-sized portions. So hence, you know, bite-sized bizarreties. Oh. Um, so I do 
multiple things. So I figured the best way to, to kind of categorize all of it for myself was to put it under a podcast production company name. Mm-hmm. So that is, that's open minds media. If anybody wants to look into it. Um, so I have everything connected through that. And then I have my stuff for the two individual shows. So if you guys want to look, check out the spectrum of everything that I do, you guys can check out open minds media. Um, all of this stuff is under the link tree. So I won't sit here and spit out all of the HTML bullshit in the beginning. So the first one, uh, HTTP dot, 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 slash, slash, whatever, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash open underscore minds underscore media. Uh, if you want to find my other two shows, same beginning with the link tree part, uh, and then it's going to be Inquiries of Our Reality Podcast. And then the other one is Bizarre Encounters. But if you guys want to find me quick and easy, um, I'm super duper active on Instagram. So uh, just look up Open Minds Media on Instagram. Uh, you'll see a logo that has like a head with like some light coming out of it. And from there, you'll find links to be able to find all my other pages off of Instagram. So kind of a long spiel, but uh, I'll just send you the links. And if anybody wants to yeah. come and check out my stuff, they can just <laughs> go into the show description and check out the link tree. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll add it into the uh, episode description for people that want to look. So. See, it's a hard question because everybody tries to put everything under one link. And I tried to do that, but I have three things that I do. So it's like, here's my three links. So it's still a long spiel, even though I tried to convert everything into <laughs> one link for each. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I have a lot of different projects like that, too. And it's like, well, you'll have to go here or there or, you know. So I just start saying open minds me to make it easy. So it's like all the stuff that I do, just go here. <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's the way to do it for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much. And thank you all for tuning in. Check us out next time on the Astral Hour. 